Welcome to the Mapped Out Money Podcast, where we help you understand finance and manage your money so you can get on with living your adventure. You're listening to episode number 23. And today's episode is sponsored by the Mapped Out Money YouTube channel. So over there, um, we talk about a lot of the same stuff that we do on this podcast, but the videos are uh, a little bit um, tighter, a little bit more succinct. And uh, I do a lot of screen sharing and we'll show kind of in-depth sort of guides to actually setting up a budget and doing some of the more practical side of what we share on this show. So if that sounds interesting to you, we would love for you to pop over and check that out. Just go to YouTube and search for Mapped Out Money and it'll come right up. We're going to start today's episode by reading um, one of my favorite kids books from when I was younger, If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. So we'll just jump right in to that book. If you give a mouse a cookie, then the mouse will ask for a glass of milk. When you give the mouse the milk, he will ask you for a straw. When the mouse is finished, he will ask for a napkin. The mouse will want to look in a mirror to see if he has a milk mustache. When the mouse looks in the mirror, the mouse will see his hair needs a trim. After the mouse trims his hair, the mouse will want a broom. The mouse might sweep every room in the house. The mouse then will want to take a nap. You will have to find him a little box with a blanket and a pillow. The mouse will make himself comfortable and ask you to read a story. He will ask to see the picture and will want to draw. The mouse will draw with crayons and paper. When the picture is finished, the mouse will want to sign his name with a pen. The mouse will want to hang his picture on the refrigerator, so the mouse will ask for tape. The mouse will hang up his picture and look at it. The mouse will remember that he is thirsty and ask for a glass of milk. With the glass of milk, he will want a cookie. The end. That book um, is a is really a perfect illustration of something known as the Diderot effect, and uh, I'm actually going to read um, a couple of small things off of James Clear's website about the Diderot effect to give you a little bit more about what this means and why it's called uh, what it's called, and then we'll dive into how the if you give a mouse a cookie and the Diderot effect kind of affects your money. And we will link to James Clear's article in the show notes and everything. So if you're interested in that, that's where you'll find it. So he says, uh, there was a famous French philosopher named Denis Diderot, and he lived nearly his entire life uh, in poverty. But then that all changed in 1765. He was 52 years old and his daughter was about to be married, uh, but he couldn't afford to like pay for a dowry or anything. But despite his wealth and sort of financial situation, uh, his name was well known because he was the co-founder of um, some some version of the encyclopedia at the time, uh, which was, you know, I guess one of the most famous. So the story goes that Catherine the Great, she was an empress, empress of Russia uh, who heard of his financial troubles. And basically she offered to buy his library uh, for a ton of money. And... Diderot all of a sudden had like all kinds of money for the dowry for his daughter and also a ton of other money to spare. So as the story goes, he acquired a new scarlet robe uh, and that's when everything went wrong. (laughs) So he goes on to say um, the scarlet robe was so beautiful. It was so beautiful, in fact, that Diderot immediately noticed how out of place it seemed when surrounded by the rest of his common possessions. I love the quote that's in there for this. It says, no more coordination, no more unity, no more beauty between his robe and the rest of his items. <laughs> so now there's no more no more coordination between anything. So now he's got to upgrade everything else. So then he goes on and he replaces his old rug with a new one. He redecorates his home.
home with some beautiful sculptures and a better kitchen table. And he buys like a new mirror to place it above the mantle and just all kinds of stuff. All these reactive purchases basically became known as the Diderot effect, which states that obtaining new possessions often creates a spiral of consumption, which leads you to acquire more new things. As a result, we end up trying to buy things that our previous selves never needed to feel uh, fulfilled or happy. So if you give a mouse a cookie, he'll ask for a glass of milk. Yep. And that's that's sort of the whole point of that book and and this idea. And it's it's something that I find myself saying a lot um, whenever we are in transition to a new situation, right? So every time we've renovated the Airstream, uh, and right now, you know, we've mentioned on the show that we're in the midst of buying a house, and I'm noticing myself a lot try to catch myself and just say, like, okay, if you give a mouse a cookie, he's going to want a glass of milk. And, and that's where we keep finding ourselves in this whole process, I think. Yeah, and I think the point of this episode is not that you shouldn't buy things. Like, I think that's kind of where people might immediately jump to. Like, oh, yeah, you're saying that we do this and we need to automatically not do it. And that's really not even our argument. No. Our argument is that we just need to be aware of it. And so as we're going into the home buying process, I think – trying to be aware of the fact that like, okay, I'm being a little irrational when I start thinking about moving into our new house and being like, well, I don't want to put any of our old furniture into our new house. We need to start fresh. It's like, okay, hold up. That's not true. We can revamp some of what we have and like we can make it look different and make it work with our new setup. And you don't have to totally start from scratch just because we have a new house to put stuff in. And I think it's a really it's a really important point for us to be aware of right now, just because we, you know, a lot of people talk about the transition from like a house and like downsizing into an RV. But what I haven't heard talked about a lot is the transition from an RV back into a house. And so we have, you know, we never had a house before we had apartments and we have a few furniture items, but we really got a couple small things. Yeah. We really don't have a ton. And so there is a lot of stuff that we are going to need to buy, but even even just being mindful in how we buy that and, you know, going to thrift stores to look for furniture and um, antique stores and looking for things that we can refinish and, you know, just trying to do things in a cost-effective way and not get swept up in having to order from certain brands or have everything be brand new because we're moving into a house that's new to us, you know? There's also a sort of speed or um, patience thing along with this because I think it can be very easy in this situation. And, and, you know, I don't think anybody has to be moving from an RV to a house to relate to this. I think a lot of the times people go from apartments or even a smaller house to a larger setup, kind of anticipating that next phase of life with family and and, and sort of whatever. So they, they... are in a similar spot of all of a sudden they have a lot more space that needs needs to be filled, right? And so where I'm going with this patience thing is it can be very easy to sort of just want to rush, I think. And let's just go to Ikea. We'll we'll get a trailer or a truck and just go to Ikea and just walk through it and just, yep, I want one of those. And ooh, if I get that table, then I need a lamp to go on the table. And then if I get a lamp to go on the table, then I'm going to need a shade, you know, a new shade because I don't like that shade. You know, like you can just do everything all at once, load up the truck, spend an insane amount of money all on one trip. And you don't really allow yourself time to breathe 
in between each purchase to really think through what makes the most sense next because you're sort of just doing it all at once. Right. And I think we assume that we need a lot of things because that's just kind of the standard thing that people put in their house. But really, our family might not need that. But I think a lot of people just kind of have this checklist of like, okay, here's all the items we need. And it's so easy to fall into buying those things. And so I talked about this idea on our last episode, but that what Joanna Gaines talks about in her homebody book and giving yourself permission to furnish and decorate your house slowly and not feeling like you have to rush to have it completed. And again, that plays into to the whole trying to impress people. And you're like, well, I don't want people to come over and see my house before I have it all put together. And, and it's just stepping back from all of that and being like, you know what? It's fine. My house can be a work in progress and I can still be a great host, even if our house is a work in progress. And that's really not what people care about. That's what we think people care about. But And if, if they do, like if they do care about that, they're really probably not that good <laughs> they're of friends not your with real you friends. anyways. Yeah. Like, like, let's just be honest, right? Because real people, if they come over and they see how you really live, uh, and they're probably going to appreciate that and go, man, it's, it's kind of nice. Like, I don't have to put on a show. Like, this is somebody I can be real with. And if it's anybody else, then uh, that just goes to show they're probably not your real friends. Totally. I agree. And I, I just think, um, you know, giving yourself permission to do things slowly and figure out what actually works for you and the people that you have coming to your house and um, making it a welcoming space and what you want it to be without trying to rush it and feel like you have to have it all completed before anybody can ever come see anything. And, you know, just that whole trap. And it's it's just so easy like I think that's I think that's the scary part of it is um is just how easy it is to sort of spiral into well if we get that then we have to get this and if we get this then we gotta get that you know just kind of going going back to what we said a second ago my hope is that if you haven't heard of this effect before or this book or anything like that I hope that you will start thinking through areas of your life where this is apparent and catch yourself in the act well I think there's so many so many aspects of self-awareness that surround this idea that are important. Where I'm going with that is I think one of the lessons that the Airstream kind of helped identify for me, one of the things about myself is that I do like to max out a space. So I am very particular. I like decorating. I like home. I like making things feel a certain way. It is very important to me and I want to do it all the way. I don't want to have things. And it's important to say you want to do it all the way and not that you want to fill every square inch, but you want to have thought about every square inch and then done the, the best possible thing for that square inch that you could have done. Yeah. And so even, even from just making, making spaces very functional and suited to what we want to use them for, Um, You know, you have to do that in the Airstream and you have to be so strategic with how you use every square foot of space. Yeah. And and so that's really that carries over with me into a house. And knowing that I did not want a huge house. We actually looked at some houses that were, gosh, more than double the size of what we're in the process of buying right now. And uh, I told Nick, I was like, you know what? I don't want, I don't want that. That would drive me crazy. I, that yeah. would drive me crazy because I know 
from a budget perspective and even even just uh, putting my time and energy into initially making it what I want it to be and then maintaining it is what I want it to be. It wasn't what I wanted. Every second of my day would have been fretting over over all of this square footage that we really don't need. Yep. So I, I think that's a level of awareness that I needed to have and that the Airstream helped give me. And then also just just recognizing the transition that we're in, going from our the house that we're buying is still pretty small to most people. Yeah. But to us, it's a lot of space. And so all of a sudden we have this ability to buy things that before we really didn't even have the ability to buy because we had nowhere to put them. And so it can be really easy to go in and just start buying all these things that I've thought about before, because all of a sudden we have space now and to put the brakes on that and go, okay, but is that actually a functional thing for us? Do we even really want that? And do we even really want that right now? Is that our top priority of what we want to get? Yeah. If you're listening to this, um, I don't know. It'd be, it would be interesting. Send us an email if you if you think this is interesting. Um, we are sort of in the process of prioritizing, trying to prioritize um, our purchases because there's a lot of things that we're going to be buying in this house over the course of the next, I don't know, month to probably 18 months, honestly. Um, all kinds of furniture to different, you know, Pieces of equipment, like you said, for gym stuff or office stuff. Or well, and even tools, tools, you know, like yes. we're planning to DIY a lot of things in our yes. house, like putting down our own floors and all that kind of stuff. So there's going to be tools that have to be purchased. Well, and we don't own any, like we don't own a lawnmower or a weed eater or a blower. Like we don't own anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, so there's a lot of things. And uh, so if, I don't know if it sounds interesting. Um, we thought about doing an episode kind of talking through how we are going to prioritize and what we're going to prioritize and sort of share our list of Well, the other things. interesting thing, or at least I think it's interesting, but it, I guess I'm biased. Um, the other interesting thing about that is we were kind of having our initial discussions of, you know, hey, we need to sit down and talk about this stuff and kind of prioritize how we want to tackle things and what order. And it's not even just stuff for the house. Because now all of a sudden um, we have space to put kayaks Mm -hmm. and, you know, different outdoorsy things that we've been wanting to do that we've had no space for um, so that they they really haven't even been an option up until this point. So it's going to be interesting. I feel like we'll reach a point with house stuff where we're like, okay, it's not 100 percent where we want it. But I want us to be able to go out on the weekends and kayak whenever we want to. Yes. So let's prioritize the kayaks kind of in the middle here. And if you've watched any of our YNAB tutorials, you know that we've been talking about those kayaks for three years. We have. We have people email that are like, has Hannah gotten her kayaks Have yet? you guys got those kayaks yet? <laughs> the answer is no, not yet. But they're back on the list. They're back on the list. <laughs> so hope, hopefully we'll get them soon. Um, you know, the other thing I wanted to mention with this Diderot effect is how easy it is to come up in hobbies. So again, with this new house, we have more space. And now both of us are sort of exploring like, hey, there's some hobbies I've always wanted to get into and haven't really had the time or the ability or the station, you know, the the stability, if you will, to get into them. Uh, And you've already chosen one uh, because we just bought you a sewing machine Mm -hmm. last week. And all of a sudden, like, Hannah told me, she was like, hey, like, what do you think about buying this sewing machine? I was like, yeah, let's look at the budget. Yeah, I think we can do it. No big deal. Like, so she met the lady on Facebook Marketplace and bought her a sewing machine. Uh, but then all of a sudden, I noticed, like, three or four new charges from 
come through that she she put in whatever or whatever. I was like, hey, what is all this? And she was like, well, I had to get a I had to get a handbook off eBay, and then I had to get this off Amazon. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, it's easy. It's and I'm not even hating on you for that. It's just like you needed that stuff to do your you know your sewing machine. Yeah, and I'm I'm sort of doing the same thing. I haven't chosen I guess new hobbies that I'm going to explore yet, but I've got a long list of hobbies I'd like to get into, and every single one of them comes with their own sort of you know form of equipment. Like I've been looking at like uh, finally getting into jujitsu. I've been even thinking about golfing, I used to like to golf a lot, and I've thought about, like, man, I might get a set of clubs and, like, try to start golfing again. Um, I've thought about a lot of things, and they all come with their own their own Diderot effect inside of that little bitty, you know, niche. So one of the aspects of self-awareness that I think is important is, like, before you make that initial purchase is thinking about what are the things that I'm going to need slash want to buy along with this initial purchase to be able to use it in the way that I want to use it. So like with my sewing machine, like I want to be able to sew leather. So some of the things that I need to buy are, if you know what about sewing machines at all, like certain presser feet, certain needles. Um, yeah, it's not just the machine. Yeah. So to be able to use it the way I want to use it, there's a few other things that I'm going to need to buy along with it. And so thinking about that before you make the initial purchase and recognizing like, yes, I'm okay with buying those things right now. Or if you're not, Maybe going, you know what, I'm I'm not in a place where I can make those other purchases yet. So maybe I just need to wait altogether until I am ready to make those because it's going to drive me crazy to have the sewing machine sitting here and not be able to use it the way I want to use it, you know. Um, so just thinking through that before you go and buy something. Yeah, I think that's really, I think it's a great point. And it's, it, you know, it goes along with everything else we talk about, like don't get a dog unless you can afford the collar and the toys and the crates and the food and the medical, you know? Yeah. Like the it, vet bills. It's yeah. the exact same thing. Yeah. Cause you can't tell a dog to sit in the corner and be like, sorry, I'm not ready to take you to the vet yet. Yeah, You'll have sick. to wait a few more months. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the same with, with every little hobby or, or new thing that you want to, to venture down. Um, so that's a really good point. Going back to the James Clear article, one thing I wanted to point out was um, the last sentence of his definition of the Diderot effect. And I'll just read it again. He says, uh, the Diderot effect is when um, obtaining a new possession often creates a spiral of consumption, which leads you to acquire more new things. As a result, we end up buying things that our previous selves never needed to feel happy or fulfilled. So I think that little statement there is is sort of the key. It's recognizing that there's absolutely nothing wrong with buying new stuff. We're not hating on that at all. Like you all know, if you listen to this podcast, we're big on conscious spending. And so as long as you're consciously thinking through everything you want and you're planning for it and making it happen, great. Yeah, but you're it, budgeting. You're not going into yes, debt. All totally. of those things. So, but, but it's recognizing that you don't need any of that stuff to feel happy and fulfilled. And if you just remember all the years that you know, you've lived before having that new thing and how you were just fine without it, I think that's, that's sort of the important point because I, I can so quickly find myself – just thinking about that next new thing a lot and, and recognizing like that's not going to make me happy or fulfilled either. Yeah. And I don't need to put that much sort of weight in that, if you will. Well, and that really kind of comes down to the gratitude piece. Totally. And having having just being thankful for what you have and recognizing like, hey, my life's awesome. It's awesome without this thing that I'm wanting to buy. Now, if I decide to get this thing down the road, that's cool. But my life's amazing without it. 
to go back to the James Clear article, he gives a few examples of where you see this. So you buy a new dress and then you need new shoes and earrings to go with it. You get a CrossFit membership and all of a sudden you're buying foam rollers and knee sleeves and wrist wraps and paleo meal plans. Uh, You buy your kid an American Girl doll and then all of a sudden you're buying um, all sorts of accessories that you had no idea even existed for dolls. Um, or you get a new couch and then all of a sudden your entire living room layout just looks wrong. Uh, those chairs, that coffee table, that rug, they all got to go. He says, after he gives those examples, he kind of goes into this idea that I, I love. He says, life has a natural tendency to become filled with more. We're rarely looking to downgrade, to simplify, to eliminate, to reduce. Our natural inclination is always to accumulate, to add, to upgrade and to build upon. In the words of sociology professor, Julia Sure. S-C-H-O-R. I don't know. Anyways, it says the pressure to upgrade our stock of stuff is relentlessly unidirectional, always ascending. And I think that is so true. That's so true. And we end up with we end up with like overcomplicated lives because of this. And I think the other part of awareness that comes in here is thinking past the initial purchase And I actually heard um, Roger Whitney talking about this on his podcast, The Retirement Answer Man. And I think it was one of his listeners had written in and said that this is kind of how they think through purchases. They said that they try to think six months after the purchase that they're considering and think about how they'll feel. So say you're thinking about buying a boat. Okay. Try to imagine that you buy the boat and place yourself six months in the future into boat ownership and how do you feel about owning that boat are you kind of frustrated because you feel obligated to go out and clean your boat and you haven't even really been out in the boat and you thought y'all would be going out in it every weekend and you really haven't even used it that much but now it's just sitting there and getting dirty and you know you're paying on the monthly payments for it or you paid cash and so all of a sudden your your cash reserves are way lower than they were or um you know, how do you feel into that? Yeah. Or, or are you imagining that you're legitimately using it every single weekend and it's some of the best memories you've ever made in your life and it's worth every penny? Yeah. Because it might be that one too. Yeah. Uh, but it might not be. Totally. <laughs> and that's, I think that's the rub. It's it's this constant idea of right before you're about to swipe the credit card or the debit card or write the check or whatever, it's catching yourself and asking, hold up, why am I buying this again? And just quickly remind yourself, am I giving into? The Ditero effect here, like, is it because I just bought the American Girl doll for my kid and then now I've got to buy all the accessories too? Like, is that what's going on? Or have I really thought about it and decided, no, this is a priority and this is how we want to spend our money? Yeah, because every every time we choose to buy something, we're making our life a little bit more complicated. That reminds me of like um, last week or a couple of weeks ago now, I can't remember the episode, we talked about lifestyle creep. And... This is similar to that in, in that it takes away the same thing. And so every time you make a purchase, like you said, it makes it more complicated and it, it puts those handcuffs around you just a little bit more or, um, you know, puts you on a little bit shorter leash, if you will. And, you know, we make trade-offs with our freedom all the time for things, and that's okay. Sometimes we're willing to give up that freedom. We've talked before about how the pets um, take away our freedom and they make our life more complicated, but we're willing to make that trade-off for what they provide. And recognizing that when you give into this ditter effect and you just start accumulating, you trade your flexibility and your freedom for that, not just your money. And so down the road, 
it is, it's not that you can't uncomplicate things or you can't simplify. It's just harder to. And it puts you in a position of making it um, more difficult to go back and, and more or less likely that you're going to. And it, it can very easily cause you to have those golden handcuffs that they say. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people don't think of things that way. I don't know. But having been in the Airstream, I think I was hyper aware of, okay, when we do choose to buy a house, we're immediately going to be restricting our time a lot more. We're going to have house projects that need to be done. We're going to have repairs mm-hmm. that need to be done. We're going to have DI projects that we just want to do. Like a lot of our time, money, and energy is going to go into making our house the home that we want it to be and also just maintaining it and cleaning it and doing all those things because in the Airstream, it's such a small space. You can do all those things pretty quickly. Yeah. You can vacuum the whole house in less than five, five minutes. minutes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And even even when you think about, you know, relatively smaller things, whether it's jet skis or a car or a pool or any of these things that we assume, well, those things are amazing. Of course, I would want that if I could have it. It's like, well, do you really? Because all of those things take time and energy and money to just maintain, to mm-hmm. just keep running smoothly. And um, so just really weighing that out, like, am I willing to trade my time, money and energy for this thing, or is this something that I want to rent once a year to go use? And it's important to know, like we said a million times, that um, everybody has a different uh, level of priority around freedom and flexibility of their time. And so you just have to figure out what yours is and whether you're happy with that. And also recognize that like it changes, I think, because you may be willing to put up with more frustration and more complication in certain parts at certain points in your life. And then as you age, for example, uh, and you're nearing retirement, you may decide that, you know what, putting up with this large house doesn't make sense anymore. And while it did make sense at one time and the headaches and uh, and all the maintenance that was associated with it uh, were worth it, now maybe they're not so worth it because maybe you would rather place your um, time and efforts and energy into other things uh, than maintaining the larger house that you had in your 40s and 50s. So yeah, just just holding things with an open hand and being willing to change when it makes sense and not not locking ourselves into constantly upgrading, constantly adding, um, not falling into that Diderot effect trap, but instead being really conscious and and thinking through carefully if we do decide to add to our life. Totally, totally. Put that in mind, that Diderot effect trap is very easy to fall into, especially when it's with stuff you like. It is indeed. <laughs> Where could he possibly be going with Where this? Where could I be going, y'all? Uh, yeah, so now it's time for the Stuff We Like segment. All right, so I thought it would be fitting today to talk about Jeremy Sears. I don't know, maybe it's uh, it's ill-fitting or, or perfectly fitting. Um, if you're not familiar with Jeremy Sears, search him on YouTube. He just talks about beard stuff, knives, wallets, leather making, coffee, whiskey, uh, just sort of like stereotypical, I don't know, man things, he would say. Um, but anyways, he's just, he's just big, big, like bearded guy uh, on YouTube that I've started watching that I really, really like. And he's a mixture of entertaining, but also talking about stuff that I'm gotten more interested in here lately, like leather crafting and good coffee and um, 
man stuff. I don't know. <laughs> but he talked, he has like, he had one that was, uh, you would appreciate it, Hannah. Actually, yesterday I watched it was like 10 roles for like good male hygiene. And uh, it was really good. He talked a lot about beard grooming and different things you should be doing. Anyways, it was very good. That is good. It's funny to share him on this episode because. Like when I watch his stuff, I do think like, oh man, I really, I would totally love one of those wallets or like one of those knives or uh, a cool watch like what he's got. So I have to kind of catch myself and recognize that I'm definitely being influenced to be self-aware about what I actually want, how I actually want to spend my money, what I really do want to save up for. So anyways, um, that's stuff we like. Jeremy Sears, I'm really enjoying his, his videos. Um, if that's at all interesting to you, you should check him out. All right. Do you want to summarize everything, kind of bring us home? Sure. So I think the big takeaway today, right, is uh, this is one more tool in your toolbox, just like the sunk cost, just like a lot of other things we talk about in this episode. This is one more uh, bias, human inherent bias that we have called the Diderot effect that can affect how you spend your money. And we want to try and be conscious uh, and self-aware of when this could be affecting us. So um, the practical takeaway is that when you find yourself about to spend money, especially if it's more of an impulse purchase, I want you to try your best to pause, ask yourself, and say, hey, is am I being affected by the Diderot effect here? Um, is, that, is that what's causing this purchase to just sort of spiral into more consumption? Or have I really thought about my priorities, my values, what I care about, and how I want to spend my money? Uh, and does this purchase align with those things? And if it does, fantastic rock and roll. But if it doesn't, and it is because of the Diderot effect, well, and then I you may clarify, want to pause. Yeah, they're not mutually exclusive. They're not. They're not at yeah. all. Yeah. Like the Diderot effect might align with your actual It totally priorities. might. It might. It perfectly could. And so it's just recognizing like, does this fit with my values and priorities? Um, or is it purely uh, because of the Diderot effect? So as always, thank you so much for listening. If you have uh, any thoughts about future episodes or if you're interested in hearing more about how we are prioritizing stuff for the house, uh, send us an email. Let us know. Nick at mappedoutmoney.com. We would love to hear from you. And uh, just remember that next time you give a mouse a cookie. He might ask for a glass of milk to go with it. He might do it.